Good morning, everyone. I hope you're doing well today. It is Thursday morning. I believe it's July 23rd, and it's a very special day. It is the beginning of baseball season, opening day. Baseball games are finally going to be played. Baseball games that count anyway, and I couldn't be happier. I couldn't be more excited. Uh, I am a huge baseball fan and am super excited about a 60-game season. It's going to be a sprint to the finish, and uh, it's going to be awesome. My team, the Detroit Tigers, I don't think plays until tomorrow, but uh, today I have my Tigers hat on. I've got my Tigers jersey on. I am ready for baseball. I am ready to watch something in the evenings. I am ready to see Miguel Cabrera uh, hit home runs. I am ready for baseball. And so today we are going to take a look at the theology in baseball, the theology of baseball, uh, but more importantly, the the theology of sports. Sports are such an important part of our culture. Uh, what does the Bible say about it? So we're going to take a look at some of that today, and I thank you for joining me uh, to, to be part of the conversation. Okay, let's take a look at uh, what the Bible says about sports, what the Bible says about sports. We're, we're going to start off first with what the Bible says about winning and losing, what the Bible says about winning and losing. Jesus said, Matthew 20, verse 16, so the last will be first and the first will be last. Jesus also said in Mark chapter 10, verse 31, but many who are the greatest now will be the least important then, and those who seem least important now will be the greatest then. So the first shall be last, the last shall be first. Um, and then he goes on to say, if you're the greatest now, you're going to be the least important then and vice versa. Uh, so have to ask the question, why does winning bring us so much joy? Why does winning bring us so much joy? Why does winning bring us so much joy? Well, let's take a look at it from a couple different perspectives. If we win, if we win at something, like if our name is drawn and we win a raffle or something, that's exciting. It's exciting to win, right? But if we win something and we worked really hard for it, like my senior year of high school, I was captain of the track team and our Tra high school track team had never won a conference championship. There were conference championship banners hanging in the gymnasium for every other team in the school except for the boys track team. And we worked really hard. We worked really hard. And my senior year, we won the, the conference championship for the first time. And it was one of those when we won the big end of the year conference track tournament. Uh, our team won. And for the first time ever, we were going to put up a uh, a, a banner in the gym and it was it was so cool to to win that uh, because we had worked so hard because we had known for four years of you know being on the track team we had known that our goal was to win a championship and my senior year it happened and to be one of the captains and to be part of that uh, you know throwing the shot put and it was just an incredible feeling of we have finally achieved what we have been working for for so long uh, and so when you work towards something when you work towards something and you, you, you know, you, you put your, you put your time into it, your effort into it, you lift weights and you run and you do all that stuff. And then for it to pay off, it's very cool. Right. And there's a sense of accomplishment there, a sense of joy, knowing that you have won, right. Knowing that, knowing that you have won as a team individually, uh, depending on the sport, because you've worked really hard and you've tried really hard to get better and you've put everything you can into it. And so winning has a sense of achievement, right? in those instances. But when you're a fan of a team, when you're a fan of a team, 
how much of your work actually goes into the winning the game? Nothing, right? If the Detroit Tigers win tomorrow, I will have had nothing to do with it. Now, you could say that, well, I supported the team, and so the team spent money, well, whatever. But I had nothing to do with it, right? It was because the players worked hard. It was because the players improved. It was because the coaches were good. It was because the front office signed the right people and drafted the right people. And so how is it or why is it that I find so much joy when a team wins that I had nothing to do with, when I had absolutely nothing to do with? I didn't work for it. I did, And so, so you could say, well – but we do. That's true. We we will have great excitement and joy when our team wins, right? Um, it could be it could be our favorite player. It could be our favorite player. So if you're a if you watch golf, uh, it could be a favorite golfer, right? You you root for Tiger Woods or Phil Mickelson or Rory McIlroy or somebody, and your guy wins, and you're really excited about it. Uh, or it could be a favorite player that you have in the NBA or NFL or Major League Baseball or NHL or whatever, and they switch different teams, and so you follow that player around, and anytime that player wins, you're excited because that's your favorite player. And maybe that guy is your favorite player or that woman is your favorite player in the WNBA because you've had a personal relationship with them or you got to know them or you met them once and they were really kind to you, and so that was important to you, and so you support that person. There's nothing wrong with that. But what about a favorite team? Like my favorite team is the Detroit Tigers. My favorite team is the Detroit Tigers because I was five years old in 1984 when the Tigers won the World Series. And ever since then, I have been a Tigers fan through thick and thin, through good years, through bad years. And so if I'm a fan of a favorite team, what am I really saying? I I support the ownership, right? I support the ownership of that team. And the Illich family, who owns the Detroit Tigers and the Detroit Red Wings, they're the type of people that I would like to support. Mike Illich, who owned the Detroit Red Wings and who owned the Detroit Tigers, was a really good guy. He he paid for Rosa Parks' housing for like the last 12 years of her life, and nobody knew about it until after he died. I mean, he did a lot of good things for the city of Detroit. He was kind. He was generous. He was the type of guy that you want to own your team, Right. And so, you know, I, so you support them and, and, and having been through losing seasons and winning seasons, you still support them. You don't, you don't go to a different team. Even if you move to a different state, you know, you, you, it's, you, it's just in you to be a supporter of that team, to be a supporter of what they're doing. And so you always look with hope on a new season. This could be the year. This could be the year where some of the the younger players take the next step. This could be the year where some of the older players stay healthy. This could be the year where somebody has a career year, and you never know. You never know that this could be the year. And it's only a 60-game season. You only got to play well for two months. Any team can play well for two months, right? They say that in in the game of baseball, 162-game season, every team is going to win 54 games. Every team is going to lose 54 games. It's the middle 54 games that makes the difference. So in a 60-game season, every team is going to win 20 games. Every team is going to lose 20 games. It's the middle 20 games. And the middle 20 games could be a run here, a run there, a, a ball that drops versus you know a, a pitch that's called a strike. You just never know. And this could be the year where a team goes 34 and 26 and gets into the playoffs, and then who knows? Anything could happen. Anything could happen. Teams, the worst teams go through stretches where they hit well for a week. And so you just never know.
And so, um, but let's let's get back to the Bible verse. The last will be first and the first will be last. Well, why why does God say that? Why does God say that? What what is it about coming in last versus coming in first? I don't know if anyone had a chance to watch the last dance. The last chant, the last dance was a story of the uh, Chicago Bulls of the 1990s. Uh, in a, it's a, like a 10 episode miniseries that was on ESPN. I think it's on Netflix now, where you can watch like the the progression of the team. They drafted Michael Jordan in the early mid eight 1980s, and then you know in the uh, 90s they started winning championships. Then he retired for two years, and they won more championships. And um, it's interesting that to watch the progression of the second episode, the bulls keep losing to the Detroit Pistons, right? If you, if you watched it with me, if you watched it, you know, the bulls keep losing to, to, to the, the Detroit Pistons and they come out and they're like, man, the Pistons were such jerks. They were, you know, they were bullies and they did a, and, and they were all these things that, that this, this is episode two. The Pistons are jerks, right? The 1990 Pistons were jerks. Well, yeah, they were. Growing up in Detroit, they were known as the bad boys. I loved watching the bad boys play. They were fun to watch. I mean, I, if you were if you were a Detroit Pistons fan, you loved them. You loved Bill Ambeer and Rick Mahorn. I mean, you loved those guys, right? And so they were fun to watch, and they played the game a certain way, and everyone else thought they were jerks, right? But that's what you had to do to win. That's what you had. To, that's what the Celtics did. That's you know. That's what you had to do to win. And so so the Bulls figure that out. And and by the time you get to episode seven, by the time you get to episode seven, so episode two is all bad mouthing the jerks, the Pistons. By the time you get to episode seven, Jordan's like, yeah, you got to be a jerk to win. That's right. My teammates thought I was a jerk. And then it finishes with saying, you know what? If you don't want to play that way, don't play that way. But I'm going to play that way because that's what it takes to win. Well, yeah, that's right. That's what it takes to win. That's why the Pistons were the way they were. Because that's what it takes to win. And by the time you get to episode seven and realize that that's what it takes to win, guess what? You've won championships too. Maybe maybe you can look back now and say, well, now I understand why the Pistons were that way. Because you have to be a jerk to win. That, that's the realization that Jordan comes to in episode seven. That's what it takes. If you want to be a champion, if you want to be the best of the best, then that means it's what you think about and dream about all the time. It's what you, it's what your life, the goal of your life is. You wake up and you're eating, sleeping, drinking, thinking, breathing, winning. The last shall be first and the first shall be last. Well, you know, if, if championships are your goal in life, that means you're going to be a jerk. I mean, I'm sure nice guys do win, but if you read any of the books about Tiger Woods, I mean, Tiger Woods is all about Tiger Woods, all about Tiger Woods to the point where if you go out to dinner with Tiger Woods and you're not done eating when he's done eating, guess what? You're leaving anyway. He goes out to dinner when he's done eating. Everyone else is done. So you better eat fast. That's from the Hank Haney book, The Big Miss. I mean, it's just. It's what it takes. It's what it takes to be first. And in life, so many other ways, if you want to have the most money, if you want to have all the stuff, if, if that's what is your driving force in life, you, you don't necessarily, I mean, you don't, you don't have to be a jerk, but that's going to be your primary focus. You're not going to be worried about other people, right? It takes, it's very difficult to be 
consumed by this desire to always win and then at the same time be worried about other people helping those along the way because it i mean it's just a different focus it's a different focus in life like blessed are the meek jesus says in matthew chapter 5 blessed are the meek for they will inherit the earth well the meek are the people who are worried about others who don't come across as i i got to do all these things i don't i got to be first i got to be the best i have to I have to, and I'm going to work as hard as I can to do it. And so that's why if you're going to live a life where you have to be first, where championships are your number one priority, guess what you're not going to be doing? You're not going to be taking the time to love your neighbor. You're not going to be because you're going to be solely focused on this one thing. And that is your own personal glory, right? And that is just opposite to the message of God. Okay, let's go to, uh, let's go to the next topic. Let's talk about idols. Idols, the the people who we worship or the things that we worship, uh, the things that we worship instead of God. Or, so uh, second commandment, Exodus 20, verses 4 through 5. You must not make for yourself an idol of any kind or an image of anything in the heavens or on the earth or in the sea. You must not bow down to them or worship them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God who will not tolerate your affection for any other gods. For any other gods. So you must not make yourself... An idol of any kind. Thinking of Billy Joel's lyrics from The Entertainer. I am the entertainer, the idol of my age. I make all kinds of money when I go on the stage. Right? That we have these idols. We call them teen idols. We have we all have idols, right? Famous people that we've lift up above the rest uh, the rest of society and say because you can entertain me or because whatever you know because you're really good at something we are going to lift you up and make you an idol we are going to give you status that no one else has and we do this with athletes right i remember when when the bulls put out a new michael jordan statue in front of the united center and there were people out there bowing down before the statue of jordan and i thought well that just looks weird to me that just i mean I can I can certainly appreciate someone's talent and I can appreciate the hard work and I can do all that but it's I'm not going to worship anybody. I'm not going to worship anybody. But but we do worship famous people. We we let them get away with things. We turn to them. Uh we turn to them to see what their opinions are on stuff. It's like, "Oh man, what I I got to know what LeBron James thinks about this. I got to know what uh Tiger Woods thinks about that, you know. Part of the last dance is that Michael Jordan uh, was criticized for not coming out and talking about politics. He's like, I'm a basketball player. Why do you want me to talk about politics? Why does it matter who I support in a Senate election? Well, I mean, I'm a basketball player. And so, but but we do that. We do that. We, we make these people idols, right? And we worship them. Uh, and so we, we depend on them in some ways to bring us joy, to bring us joy, to... To, to make our lives better, to make our lives better. I remember I, I remember the, the, the one time, probably the one time in my life where I was so invested in one person winning something. Uh, it was all it consumed me for a weekend. There was the 2009 Open Championship, otherwise known as the British Open, where Tom Watson is like a 60 year old guy was winning. Tom Watson, who, who was in the field because he was a previous champion, and it was one of those things where it's like, oh, we invite all the previous champions. But he, there's a rule that says once you turn 60, you can't play. And so I think he was like 59 and a half. And so he just came out there and was playing from the back tees with Tiger Woods and with Phil Mickelson and with all, all the other great golfers, and they're hitting pitching wedges into greens, and he's hitting hybrids into greens, right, because he can't hit it as far as them. But he can hit it straight, and he can putt. 
And so Tom Watson at 59 years old was winning the open championship. And I was just that I remember that weekend. I was so into it. And all he had to do on the 72nd hole was to make a par. If he makes a par on the 72nd hole, he wins the Open Championship. And if he won that Open Championship, I don't know why, but I just had this feeling it was going to give me great joy and I was going to be so excited and it was going to carry me through. And it, he, he, he made a bogey and he tied. And so then he had to go to a playoff with um, Stuart Sink and Stuart Sink won in the playoff. And Tom, you could just tell, I mean, he was tired it was, and he just, he said he just, the last shot, he just hit it too far and he hit it over the green and then he couldn't two putt. And, uh, you just, I just felt I was devastated. I was devastated because of the story, because it's a fairy tale story to think of somebody that age, somebody who hits it so much shorter than everyone else. Somebody who is not, you know, he's not the top of his game anymore. He's not in his prime. And here he was beating everybody. And I just wanted this to happen so much because it's such a great story, but it would have been just, I, I, but why do I depend on athletes to bring me joy? Why do I depend on teams to bring me joy? If I'm depending on something to bring me joy, something that I have no control of, then I'm looking for something in my life. Then I'm looking for something in my life. And so to worship an idol is to look to something else and say, I need you to give me this thing because I am missing it. But the Bible says that our joy comes from the Lord, that our joy comes from the Lord. So, so we put our hope in other things. We put our hope in, in an athlete or a team or whatever we put our hope in. Say, this is going to give me joy. The stock market. The stock market was up the other day and I was so excited because I had bought some stocks. And I'm like, oh, man, this is so great. This is so easy, right? Well, the next day they went down, right? Because I had a stock that went up 10 per at like 11 in the morning, it was up 10% for the day. And I was like, oh my goodness, this is great. By the end of the day, it was down. I mean, it was back down to, it went up 5% at the end of the day. It was up 5%. And then the next day it went down 3%. So basically it was still a 2% gain, which is great, right? But, you know, it's what's going to give us our joy? What's going to give us our joy? What's going to give us our peace? Is it our faith in God or is it something else? And whatever else it is, that thing can and will let us down. God will never let us down, but that thing can and will let us down. The thing will fail. And so let's go to the next part and talk about failure. Proverbs 24, 16. For the righteous falls seven times and rises again, but the wicked stumble in times of calamity. The righteous fail seven times. The righteous fall, fail seven times, but they rise again. They rise again and they learn from it. They learn from it. Okay, so failures. Baseball. Baseball is a game of failures. It is a game of failures. If you fail seven out of every 10 at bats, you're batting 300. And if you do that for a long enough time, you might make the Hall of Fame because you failed just seven out of every 10 times. Most major league hitters get a hit every fourth at bat. Every fourth. So basically, the average Major League Baseball player, his batting average is 250. In 2019, the average batting average across Major League Baseball was 252. 
In 2018, it was 248. So for the last two years, you could say literally it was at 250. So one out of every four times. That means three out of every four times you're going to fail. In 2017, 2016, it was 255. So it's gone down a little. But that's basically the same. Three out of every four times you go to the plate, you're going to fail. If you're in the major leagues. And guess what? It takes a long time to get that good. Most players spend years in the minor leagues, making very little money, riding buses across the country, and learning from their constant failures. If you're a pitcher, basically, you're going to get out three out of every four guys you face, right? But you still have to – the real good ones get out five out of six. And the ones who don't stick around very long only get out two out of three, right? And so their failure looks differently, but it's the same. And you have to learn from your constant failures. And, and, and failure in sports is part of the game. And, and it happens on the biggest stages. It happens on the biggest stages. But that's what makes it so entertaining. We have to remember that sports is entertainment. It's something to be excited about, something to enjoy. But every game has a winner and a loser. And if you're watching a golf tournament, there's a winner and there's 150 losers. If you're watching a tennis match, there's a winner and a loser. If you're watching whatever, there's always a winner and there's always a loser. And if a game doesn't go your way, you as a fan watching it, I mean, it's basically the same as watching a movie that has a bad ending. You get to the end and you're like, oh, man, I wish the good guy would have won or I wish they hadn't, you know, blown up the Death Star because I was rooting for Darth Vader or whatever. You know, it's like, I don't like the way that that ended. Either stop watching movies or learn to enjoy it for what it is. Learn to enjoy the movies for what they are then. It's someone else's story. It's someone else's story that they're trying to tell you. You don't get to pick what the ending is going to be. It's someone else's story. And so as a fan of the Detroit Lions, I know that all too well. I have come to grips with the reality that my team is very unlikely to ever win anything big, right? But I still root for them. My guess is that anytime they're in a close game, I expect that they're going to lose, and I'm surprised if they win, but I still enjoy the game for what it is, and that's still my team. The Detroit Lions are still my team. Even though I know they're doing things differently than every other team, and they're, they could learn and they could do things better, but they're not, that's okay. They're still my team. As a Detroit Tigers fan, I had season tickets in 2004. I had season tickets in 2004 when they lost 119 games. The, the Major League record was 120 losses in a season. The Detroit Tigers had lost 119 games, and they had three games left, and they won all three, so they didn't tie or beat the record. That was a, they were a terrible team, but they were fun to watch. They were fun because they were my team. And guess what? In 2005, they signed Pudge Rodriguez. And in 2006, guess what? They went to the World Series. Happened that quickly. They went to the World Series, and, and, and USA Today said that the Tigers are the better team, and they should win the World Series in four games. They actually said it should be in three games because they're so much better, and they lost. And so I'm wearing my Tigers jersey today from the 2012 World Series, where they went to the 2012 World Series again, and they were considered the better team, and they lost. My team hasn't won the World Series since 1984, but they did win a World Series. I know some Ranger fans haven't ha experienced that yet, but you will one day. And but but they, they they've gotten there, and now again, now again, they're the worst team in baseball. Last year they were the worst team in baseball, but they have they have brought up my hopes and they have failed 
They have failed over and over again, but they're still my team because failure is a part of following anybody and anything. Failure is a part of life. Failure is a part of life. And even though my team fails, doesn't mean I'm going to stop caring for them and stop watching them. As Christians, we fail all the time. And I think that's kind of what, what this all leads to, is understanding the failure and understanding that failure is a part of life. Failure is a part of discipleship. We fail all the time. It's called sin. It's called sin, right? We fail. And our failures lead to suffering, right? The consequences of our sin. If we, might, if we get caught in a lie, whatever, you know, our, our failures lead, can lead to suffering for others, can lead to suffering for us, can lead to us hurting them, can lead to others hurting us, whatever, right? But the question is, do we learn from our failures? That, this, is, this is what sports is. Sports is learning from your failures. It's learning from uh, years traveling on a bus in the minor leagues, learning how to be better at whatever it is you're doing. Learning from your losses so the next time you can win. Falling seven times but getting up seven times and trying again and trying again so that you can get it right. And so if there's anything that we as Christians can learn from sports, it's that. Seeing how other people fail and then seeing how they learn from it, work on getting better, and then get better. And as Christians, that's something we can do. We can learn from our failures, we can learn from our mistakes, and we can get better at it. We can try and do better the next time because the righteous man falls seven times but gets up seven times. Every time we fall, every time we fail, we get up, we learn from it, and we do better. And so I think that's the lesson for us from sports. When we fail, we get up, we try harder, and we do better. So, okay, we will stop there, and we'll close with a word of prayer. Uh, Lord God, we thank you for all the the, the hope and joy that you give us. And we thank you for helping us to uh, see the error of our ways, helping us to learn from our mistakes and helping us to be better, better than we were. And we pray that as we go through life, Lord, that we would continue to improve so that we can be a better witness to your love and your grace for all people. In Jesus name. Amen. All right, everybody have a great week, great weekend, and we will see you next week. Take good care of yourselves and stay safe.